What is up, everybody? Welcome to The Awakened Catholic Show. I'm your host, Nick Delatore. Today is going to be a heck of an episode. We're going to be talking about virtual reality, Cuba, Jesus, fear, anxiety, the Eucharist. We're going to be talking about some heavy stuff today. Uh, if you don't know, I'm Cuban. Uh, all, uh, most of my family is Cuban, and uh, if you don't know, uh, I'm also a believer in Jesus Christ. Today's episode, we're going to get into all of it. It's going to be powerful. It's going to be, I don't know if it's going to be powerful. We'll see what happens. All of that coming up right after this. To the Awakened Catholic Show, um, got got a show. We got a show today. We got we have got a show. Uh, thank you to whoever just pressed the like button. Feel free to let us know in the comments where you're tuning in from. Um, we're going to be talking about some heavy stuff today, including uh, virtual reality. And you might be thinking, why is virtual reality a heavy topic? Well, uh, here's why virtual reality is a heavy to- heavy topic. We'll get into that in a bit. We're going to be talking about Cuba. I'm Cuban. Cuba matters to me. The Cuban people matter to me. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm kind of one of them, although I'm not a citizen. Thanks be to God. Um, and I'm going to talk about uh, Jesus. We're going to be talking about fear, anxiety, and the Eucharist. And we're going to we're going to cover cover some ground. Um, but I got to let you know that if you like this show. There is a special opportunity for you, and it may seem like I'm pointing at you, but maybe I'm just kind of fist pumping, and you can't tell the difference because I have a broken finger. Um, we're going to be talking about uh, the Awakened Catholic Show has this great new opportunity to join the patron community specifically of the Awakened Catholic Show. All you got to do is visit theawakencatholicshow.com, and uh, you know I highly encourage you to watch the patron video that we produced for it. Um, it is quite entertaining. Uh, so check out theawakencatholicshow.com. If nothing else, to watch the patron video, you will not regret having watched it. Um, and consider joining the patron community for the Awakened Catholic Show uh, called Community of Saints with a lowercase s. And you'll learn more about why in the video. Uh, but there's different giving levels. You can directly support the work of this specific show and get access to exclusive content, including a daily scripture reflection by me. Uh, and there's a whole bunch of other stuff. So make sure to visit theawakencatholicshow.com. Uh, and then additionally, the app for Awakened Catholic uh, is really, really something. You should check out theawakenapp.io. We have been making a ton of improvements to the app as of recent, as of recent or as of recently. What's the proper... Anyways, um, check out the Awaken Catholic app by going to the Awaken Catholic app, sorry, theawakenapp.io, or searching for Awaken Catholic in the App Store or Google Play Store. And you can also just visit that link, uh, theawakenapp.io, from your desktop browser. Uh, So yeah, lots of great stuff there. And then finally, today's episode is sponsored by Select International Tours. Uh, And this year, actually, we have two pilgrimages with them right now. We're going to the Holy Land at the end of November. And then there's also um, our our ladies from our show, Naked Without Shame, uh, are going with Catherine Whitaker and a couple other people uh, to Paris, France for a river cruise pilgrimage uh, with an optional extension to Lourdes. Uh, Select International Tours have been incredible sponsors of Awakened Catholic. I highly encourage you to check out their organization. Visit our link, selectinternationaltours.com slash awaken to learn more about our pilgrimages uh, or just to check out everything they have going on. Uh, all right. Let's get into the, the nitty gritty, as Nacho Libre would say. Um, so <clears throat> earlier this week, it was Monday night, I was playing uh, some virtual reality with my brother, Anthony. Uh, and, you know, that's a way for us to connect. We don't live near each other. And um, so we, we take advantage of virtual reality to hang out virtually and to conquer you know, to, to vanquish foes together, um, to, to eradicate the goblins and, uh, all, all manner of, of terrible, fantastical creatures who attack an elven village in a game called Elven Assassin, which really should have been called Elven Defender. You know, you're standing on, on towers and you're using a bow and arrow, killing some, some giants and stuff. Uh, so that wasn't the game we were playing Monday night. We were playing a different game called Swords of Gargantua. And uh, your boy was holding a sword. And, um, you know, allow this to be a cautionary tale. Uh, there are there are some people that get freaked out by the notion of virtual reality and, you know, 
and all the implications that they think that it might have on society. Here's my cautionary tale. Uh, make sure you're doing it uh, using virtual reality, uh, engulfed in virtual reality in a safe space. And by safe space, I don't mean um, somewhere where, you know, you won't be, uh, you know, triggered or micro triggered or microaggressioned. What I'm referring to is um, a space in which you have no walls near you. Uh, or furniture or stairwell banisters uh, because I was holding a sword and it was a pretty sweet big epic sword I was holding a sword and I'm just gonna I'm just gonna obliterate this giant and so I just pour everything into this sword swing like I, my, all of my hopes and dreams all of of you know my my ancestors were joining me in this epic sword swing all of my my childhood wounds trauma everything I've, I've i've ever desired my life to become all of it was going into a, a, anything anytime anyone has ever told me nick you're not going to be able to do it you're not good enough nick all of that was going into this sword swing sword comes down and I have no idea whether or not I hit the giant because I just experienced outrageous pain. And it was very disorienting because you're wearing the headset and you don't know what's going on around you. I didn't know what I hit. I just knew it was painful. I was hoping to God I hadn't destroyed our television. I didn't know what happened. So I, I take off the initial pain I was feeling was in my wrist. Uh, I take off the headset. I look at my wrist and I'm like, Oh my goodness, my peripheral vision is seeing some other things happen right now with my fingers. And um, it was a terrifying moment. Uh, it hurt so much that I didn't feel the pain initially, if that makes sense, um, and only thought I had hurt my wrist. Lo and behold, I, I broke my finger, um, like really badly. Uh, I haven't gone to the hospital yet because I've been very busy this week, and that might sound absurd to you. Uh, and it is absurd. You're not wrong to think that. Um so shortly after I record this episode, uh, this live stream, I will be headed to the hospital to get x-rays. Um, and I know it's broken. I had a doctor look at it and he was like, yeah, that's broken. Um, but I was hesitant to, uh, to go because I was just like, well, I'll just keep it immobilized. You know, we got some popsicle sticks and, and wrapped it with some medical tape. Um, but Literally this morning, I was um, going to put my contacts in, which obviously I'm not using this finger for anymore. I was using my middle finger um, for my contacts. And as I was taking the wrap off the stint, it, uh, I noticed, you know, I, I'm not entirely convinced that this uh, bone is set correctly at this point because uh, it looked that bad even the, today. That was Monday night, mind you. And so all these days later, it's still looking real rough. Um, so... You know, in case, because it's not a question of whether or not it's broken, it's a question of will it heal correctly. Uh, so just in case, I'm going to go ahead, go to the hospital after this live stream. Uh, Brian McNamara, thank you so much for your prayers for, I presume, my finger. Um, I did sprain my wrist and these two fingers as well, the two middle fingers, um, rather the middle finger and the ring finger. But this guy... Straight up broken. No bueno. Uh, so that is that story. Just be so careful in virtual reality. Just just be so careful. All right? I Allow the, the tragedy that has taken place for me to prevent the same mistakes for you. Um, and, uh, you know, kids, if you, if you get hurt, don't, don't play games with it. You know, don't be a hero like I have been all week. Because I might have messed things up even worse by not going that night so don't be a hero kids pete thank you also for your prayers um so the next thing i want to talk about is cuba cuba i am i am cuban thanks for the the close-up the ep, the dramatic zoom in here colleen uh, i am cuban and there's some stuff that's been going on in cuba that really matters to me after something like 62 63 years of this dictatorship this communism in cuba um, the people are, are finally fed up. I don't know what took 63 years about it, um, but but at least it's happening now. There are people that are trying to protest, um, and to nobody's surprise, the government is trying to squash those protests. You know, it's amazing to me how people who have either no idea what they're talking about related to the Cuban government and politics there and like the status of their society, what it's really like to be Cuban in Cuba. People who have no idea 
are presumptuous enough to make these bold statements like that like the oh this was this this drove me crazy and within the first 24 hours the biden administration the white house was saying it had to do with covid these protests protests had to do with covid and i i i was in such disbelief i was like this has to be a joke but like it's not even a good joke like what what where is this coming from this idea of covid uh and then thankfully uh you know shortly thereafter they they kind of repaired you know, Jen, Jen Psaki uh, said that it was more about the mismanagement uh, of of the economy or so, something like that. But like she wouldn't say socialism or communism. Um, and then you just have people saying, oh, it's because of the embargo. Like if the U.S. lifted the embargo, everything would be fine. No, that's not how that works. That That is not how that works. People need freedom. The people are hungry for freedom. The the cry of the Cuban people is libertad, which means freedom in Spanish. Libertad. Cuba libre. Quiero mi Cuba libre. Right? Like there, there have been so many songs written over the decades about this idea of I long for a free Cuba. Um, in my own family, uh, before Castro's takeover, our family was like, from from what I've learned, we were super wealthy. Like we owned theaters, we had mansions, we had, you know, staff for the mansions, right? Like people that worked at the mansions as their job to like, you know, serve our family and stuff. Um, and I'd like to think that we were we were good to them. I don't know. Uh, but when Castro took over, we were literally left with nothing. Um, everything was ripped away from us, and. My grandparents, thanks be to God, had the foresight to quickly leave Cuba. Um, and we we were left with a lot of family um, stuck in Cuba. And the way that that played out is that over decades, um, even as recent as my memory, like I still can remember the last member of our family flying into the Miami airport and and being there to greet them. Um, and it was, we, we had to literally pull some James Bond level stuff to get these family members out of there. Um, so, you know, it, so an example of that was we had to fake marriages between cousins just to like, it was a disaster. And the point is, why do people go to these lengths? Why do people go to these lengths to escape a paradise, a, pl- a place where everybody is equal, a place where where the government provides for everything. And that's the key. Why why do we go to these lengths to escape a place where the government provides for everything? We cannot we cannot assume the goodwill of political leaders to such an extent that we entrust to them everything about our existence, our survival. Our, our housing, our food supply, uh, rationing pe- uh, the uh, income levels. Like, w- we cannot trust this external government body, regardless of what government you're in, regardless of what... It, like, you cannot assume that anybody has your best interest at heart to such a degree that you just hand over to them um, everything that it takes to exist. And that's what happened in Cuba. Fidel Castro was a hero. He he legitimately presented himself and was a hero, uh, freeing the Cuban people from a previously oppressive government in in its own ways. And he he mustered up a huge army of people in the mountains. Initially, actually, and this is this is fun. Um, he lied. He had newspaper newspaper articles published that said, we have this huge growing army in the mountains. Come join us. And, and people were hungry to rise up against the government and free their people. And so people came in droves to join this growing army in the mountains. And lo and behold, the lie paid out, paid off, because people came and then he had a huge army in the mountains um and now we're faced with this reality that he he presented himself as someone that had the best interest at heart for his people 
and then it turns out that it didn't flesh out that way. And I think that in today's political landscape here in the United States, um, we are so desperate for solutions to very real problems. We're so desperate for solutions uh, to the pain that we feel, the pain that we see. When we see someone that's living in poverty, when we see someone that's homeless, when we see a veteran that is homeless, when we see kids who are having to grow up in in poor neighborhoods and in 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 fatherless childhoods and in all these different tragic situations like we're we're so hungry to find solutions to these very real problems and so when an alleged solution presents itself when someone rises up and says I will be your hero um we we get very excited by that we cling on to that but people are not generally as um, benevolent or as uh, selfless as what a leader has to be to really live up to that promise of being a hero. Um, and there's only one leader, one person in existence that really was worthy as a leader of that type of trust, and that is Jesus Christ. And so it's like we're, we're searching for a Jesus, we're searching for a Messiah, whether it's because of income inequality or or whatever the case may be, like we're constantly searching for salvation. Um, you know, the Jewish people, a lot of them struggled to understand how Jesus was their Messiah because he he wasn't the Messiah that they were hoping for. They wanted a military Messiah. They wanted someone that would free them from Rome. And in fact, Jesus would free them from Rome spiritually. Um, he would free them from sin. He would free them from uh, captivity, right? Like we we become citizens of heaven in Jesus. We become citizens of heaven in our baptism. Um, and so I, I just, I think that we, we, we need to be cautious about who we are looking for to, to be our hero. As a society, as people, we shouldn't be putting celebrities on pedestals. We shouldn't be putting politicians on pedestals. We shouldn't be putting political parties on pedestals. Um, in this hunger to rally around solutions to these very real problems, we can cling to our identity as a Republican or a Democrat. Neither party has everybody's best interest at heart unanimously across the board, perfectly. Neither party is doing that. Uh, no politician in either party actually cares that much about you. Uh, and I'd like to think that, you know, in providing the benefit of the doubt to some of them, that uh, it starts off as good intentions. It starts off as as really trying to find solutions to problems. But eventually they get wrapped up in this in this cyclone of the washington system of the political system and in order to make changes i got to make sure i stay in office and then staying in office ends up becoming the priority and we just have to we we have to be so cautious about where we put our trust our trust should be in the lord alone and we we should strive for solutions but people community community at the local level i can be the solution here and now by by be, doing the right things living virtuously and the more people take ownership of their role in the solution in being virtuous people that is what transforms society that is what transforms society if the republican party was actually pro-life and and was really really trying to save babies we've had control of this government or sorry the republican party has had control of this government we've seen them have control of this government for so many years in different situations and we still have legalized abortion in this country the democrat party if if they were really really concerned about the issues of race we had a black president for eight years and the crime rates in black communities, I'm about to go to Chicago next week. Chicago is one of the hot spots for gang-on-gang -gang violence. In other words, in a lot of situations, black-on-black -black violence. It's a heavily Democrat-led city. 
We've had Democratic politicians and a black president for eight years, and we still have not seen significant improvements. In fact, in most black lives, there were more improvements in quality of life and in quality of community and, and all that kind of stuff under President Trump, which no one talks about. I myself, I am not Republican. I'm not Democrat because I'm not expecting some political party to be the answer. The answer is people like you and me doing our best to live virtuous lives and holding whatever politician is in power, holding them accountable to live virtuous lives and make virtuous decisions. That is the answer. Jesus is the answer in that Jesus gives us the power to uh, live virtuous lives. When we turn to him in prayer and in in trust, um, you know, living our lives in conformity to his law and his, his goodness, uh, that is... That is the answer. We have to be virtuous people. We need to be light in the darkness. And we need to, um, in being that light and in living virtuously, attract other people to a life of virtue. That is the answer. Rob Holler wants to know, what am I then? And then he says, just kidding. No pressure. Keep doing your thing. What am I? Rob, I'm glad somebody asked. I'm Catholic. That's what I am. Do you read these during the show? Yes, I do. <laughs> uh, I'm Catholic. I'm Catholic. Neither party entirely represents the the goodness and the truth of Catholic social teaching. So I'm an issue voter because the issues are where we can decipher where things are at. All of this was to say what's happening in Cuba it is not an isolated reality. What's happening in Cuba can happen anywhere, and it has happened elsewhere in the past. And there are gradual and subtle ways in which it's happening here and now. It's always about fear. Fear is such a great tool, and that's why I want to talk about fear, anxiety, uh, and, and and Jesus, the Eucharist, the answer to fear and anxiety in, in, my, uh, in the context of the way I'm going to talk about it. But fear is such a tool for oppressors. Um, it was it was fear of the the very real oppression that they were experiencing in Cuba that allowed Fidel Castro to rise to power. Uh, fear here in our country in the United States shut down our churches. Fear made it impossible to live in community with people, albeit you know we have technology and stuff that allowed more of that with Zoom and FaceTime and stuff. Uh, when fear dominates our lives, we will happily hand over our lives to the government, to politicians. And the more of that that happens, it's like a dominoing reality. It's a dominoing effect where it's like we're sitting, it's like the frog sitting in a boiling pot, right? Like you started off, you know, room temperature water, not going to know what's happening. But you turn, you turn that pot up gradually and all of a sudden we're going to find ourselves in a boiling hot pot of water and we just have to be so careful that the government is not the answer the government is meant to protect us not run our lives not restrict our lives not not um overstep and become our god literally fidel castro um in the in the course of their uh, indoctrination to uh, into the communist regime of, of the Castros, um, they would literally go into, soldiers would go into the classrooms of children and tell the students to close their eyes and pray to God and ask God for candy and then tell them to open their eyes and they would see that there was no candy on their desks. And then they would say, all right, now close your eyes and ask Fidel Castro for candy. And then they would open their eyes and there was candy on the tables. There is a very literal sense in which, in, in that example, we see that government wants to be God and that is not acceptable. Only God is God. We should not rely on the government. We should not worship the government, but that is what is happening. What, regardless of which party you're in. Don't worship the Democrat Party. Don't worship the Republican Party. Worship God and God alone. Because otherwise, it's like you find yourself having to defend things that really should not be defensible. If you're like a diehard Republican, well, it doesn't matter what ridiculous things President Trump says. Because I'm a Republican, so I got to defend the crap out of it. Or if you're a Democrat, 
well, it doesn't matter what Jen Psaki or President Biden or uh, Vice President Kamala Kamala Harris says. Like, it doesn't matter because, you know, here's what they meant. And here's, you know, well, he, he, he doesn't he's not declining mentally. He has a stutter and or a speech impediment. Why, 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 why are we clinging to these ideologies which, which fixate us, in, uh, get us stuck in a position where we have to suddenly stand by things that are not things we should stand by? Um, like President Biden's Catholicism. No. You can't just be like, you know, them, uh, whether, it's, whether it's President Biden or uh, uh, what's her name, the Speaker of the House, um, uh, Nancy... Uh, Nancy Pelosi, thank you, Colleen. She just recently, a few days ago, said, you know, defended something by, you know, starting out, well, well, because I'm a, a good Catholic, like, we should not be doing this, guys. Uh, worship God and God alone. And we need to expect more from ourselves. We need to be virtuous people. We need to spread virtue. We need to spread the light. Um, I recently, moving on to a different topic, um, and actually, before I get to this other topic, uh, I just want to tell you one more time that today's episode is sponsored by Select International Tours. Uh, I, I love being partnered with Select International Tours. I'm super excited about the trips that uh, we're doing with them later this year. And they are just an incredible organization. Um, so we're going to the Holy Land this year. We're going to Paris, France, uh, and with an ex- uh, optional extension of the Lord, Lord's just want to highly encourage you to go to selectinternationaltours.com slash awaken to learn more about them. Incredible people. Like they aren't just really good at what they're, what they do, their job of, of running these pilgrimages. Um, but they are just great people. So, uh, please visit selectinternationaltours.com slash awaken and support the sponsor of today's episode. Um, all right. So now I'm going to share with you a little bit of, uh, what I so I recently gave a talk in Michigan uh, to a bunch of young adult Catholics, um, and the talk was titled "Fear, Anxiety, and the Eucharist." The reason that I chose that topic and that title, which it, it doesn't immediately evoke like, "Oh, I know what that's about," you know, like what does uh, the Eucharist have to do with fear and anxiety? Well, I'm gonna tell you. Uh, oh, Rob Holler says, "Are you going to the Holy Land, Nick?" Yes, I am going to the Holy Land. <laughs> Thanks for asking, Rob. Rob is also going to the Holy Land. Super excited to go with him. Um, all right, so what is the connection between fear, anxiety, and the Eucharist? Let's start by talking about fear. Uh, fear Fear is awful. Um, I have a wristband that Alina and I designed um, that I am currently not wearing because I am wearing this. But the, the, uh, the wristband is a quote from St. Augustine who says, uh, oh, little Emmy says, you to man, are dogs allowed to go on pilgrimages? Probably yes. I don't know. <laughs> um, so the wristband is a quote from St. Augustine that says, fear is the enemy of love. Fear is the enemy of love. Why is that? Well, uh, there are so many layers to that. For one thing, God is love. God is love. There are many things that we can say about God, like uh, words that we can attribute to understand the different parts of, of, of what make God what he is. Um, God is merciful. God is uh, eternal, infinite. God is um, good. You know, um, God is omnipresent. God is all-knowing. All of, these th- all of these things we've heard. But what, what does it mean to say God is love? Uh, why, why is that relevant here? God in the Trinity is an infinite and eternal exchange of love between the persons of the Trinity. And he created us because he wanted to be in relationship with us. Like, like true and authentic love is so self-giving like there is this hunger when there is real love to make oneself a gift for someone else. Um, and in our society right now, we we think a lot in terms of like a, we have a mentality of like limits. We are limited. We're finite. 
Um, but in that, we have a hard time understanding how love can possibly be uh, unlimited. So a lot of there, there, you know, in in the the culture that we're in, uh, which is is fairly recent, what I'm about to say, there's this idea of like, well, I shouldn't have too many kids. And one of the reasons people talk about that as well, I, I won't be able to love all of them well enough. I won't be able to, you know, share myself uh, as much with the one or two children I do have. Uh, there, there's a very limited idea of love. And the reality is that when love is um, you pouring yourself out and you making yourself a gift to another, um, true love overflows it it explodes in multiplicity true love um is it's something that we can never run out of when our own source our own well wellspring of that love is the divine is god so fear is the enemy of love why is that true why did saint augustine say that fear keeps us from the fullest expression of ourselves, the fullest expression of what God made us to be, the fullest expression of what God made us to do. What what really stops that all is, is fear, by and large. And I don't want to be reductive to imply that, like, you know, as a blanketing statement, everyone experiences the same source of fear or the same sources of anxiety. But but what I am saying is that ultimately, even sin, Andrew Reinhardt talked about this on his show on, uh, on one of the episodes of Physically Spiritual, that at the root of, of all sin is a fear or a distrust that God really has our best interest at heart or knows what's best for us. Fear is um, a, a destroyer of relationships. Fear is a destroyer of the paths that that God wants to have us on. And ultimately, all of our paths culminate in love, in, in, in that eternal exchange of love in heaven. And fear limits us from that. Fear uh, keeps us from experiencing that love in the here and now. Fear keeps us uh, from trusting other people enough to be vulnerable, to be a self-gift to them. Um. Fear limits our capacity to, to play our role in the grand cosmic scheme of salvation. Like how many times has the Holy Spirit maybe prompted you, hey, go talk to that person. And out of fear and it not it being outside of your comfort zone, you don't. But what if what if there was something God wanted to do with that conversation? What if there was something God wanted to do through you? So fear, man, it stops us from a lot of things. Uh, it, it really holds us back as people. And it is my belief that in my own life, um, it is specifically like, it, I, I, it's more than a belief. I can see it tangibly. Anytime that I responded to fear with courage, uh, and did the thing that I was feeling a nudge to do, a prodding from the Holy Spirit in my heart, talking to a stranger, uh, whatever it might be, uh, quitting my full-time job with benefits and retirement and insurance, right? That You think there wasn't fear surrounding that decision? There was. But if I hadn't done that, awakened Catholic wouldn't exist. The people that I've ministered to at parish missions or at other events, prayed over them, uh, consoled them. All of that would not have happened. We have to say yes to God, encourage, and trust. And so, in in my own life recently, I've found that trusting God can be hard. This is not a shocker. This is not a surprise to anybody. Trusting God can be hard because a lot of the time, it's not immediately obvious how he is going to provide for any given circumstance. And what I have discovered recently is, ultimately, I feel like this this lack of, of obviousness, this lack of clarity sometimes in seeing how God is moving the chess pieces of life and how he's providing for situations... Mm-hmm. 
I think it basically boils down to one thing. He's a he's a stinker. He that that god of ours, he likes to show off, he likes to mess with us a little bit, and I think that it ultimately comes down to one thing. He wants us to know without a shadow of a doubt that it's him. See, if things went a little bit too easily, if things went a little bit too comfortably, it'd be really easy to confuse the solutions to the problems that we face with our own ability to fix things, our own ability to provide for ourselves, our own ability to resolve whatever situation. If it was too easy, we would be very forgetful of the one who is our hero, the one who is our savior, the one who is uh, moving the chess pieces. And I firmly have come to the very a very confident belief that God just loves to flex. He just loves to make sure we know it was him by waiting until the last second. And we see this in scripture. Um, even, even that idea of him being a little stinker and messing with us, you know, the wedding at Cana, they're asking for help. And he's like, it's not my time yet, woman, to his mom. And she basically ignores what he said, turns to the servants and is like, do whatever he tells you. Like he, he, he wants us to understand how much we need him because this world is very confusing. This world is very distracting. This world is, is it, it, it wants to make you think that you are a God and not in the, the sense that Jesus says it in the gospel where he, where he calls us gods with a lowercase g. The world wants you to think that you are totally self-sufficient, that all of the answers lie within you. Little Emmy says, well said. Thank you, Little Emmy. But God wants us to know that God wants us to know the truth. And the truth is that I can't do this on my own. And that is your truth too. None of us can do this on our own. And if it were not for the ways in which he doesn't answer our prayers exactly the way that we hope he would, or come to the rescue when it's not as obvious that it's him coming to the rescue because it's too comfortable, too easy, too convenient, he wants us to know that he's there. He wants us to know that he is providing for us. Um, there's, uh, a passage that I cited. If you want to hear the talk that I gave, it is recorded. Um, I recently, probably a couple weeks ago now, I released, uh, snippets from it, um, that you can find on the Awakened Catholic, like, uh, Facebook channel or <laughs> channel page, uh, or on our Instagram or in the Awakened Catholic app, there are snippets from that talk. And then if you're a member of the Awakened Nation, you have access to the entire talk. Um, but one of the passages that I read, um, in defense of this hypothesis, which is really not a hypothesis, a theory, a thesis, that's maybe that's the word I'm looking for. Um, one of the things that I read uh, from was the story of the, of Jesus on the boat with his apostles and the storm that took place. And I moved my bookmark here. Let me see if I can find it quickly. Also, if you if you want to um, if you want to ask me any questions in the chat, I'm looking at those. Um, so feel free to ask away. Okay. Uh, da, 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 da. If someone uh, watching the stream wants to look up what passage in Mark it is, the the storm at sea, that would be helpful. A little interactive uh, Bible studying here together today. Man, I've used this story so many times. Why the heck don't I have this memorized? It's all good. Um, you know what? I'm going to come back to this story. You people watching the stream, look it up and let me know. And uh, we'll come back to that story once you look it up. Because I don't want to waste any more airtime just flipping pages here. Uh, so, so I think uh, it's important to be super reflective about what limitations you're putting on your life, what limitations you're putting on on God's plans, on your own health, um, that ultimately these limitations are rooted in fear. 
do you trust that God has your best interest at heart? Do you trust that God will always provide for you? Do you trust that? It's hard because the world says you can provide for you. The world says you uh, are your God. The world says the government will provide for you or that the government will be your God. It's very, very confusing. It's very confusing and it's hard uh, to break uh, free from these misconceptions, these these skewed ways of understanding the truth. And the truth is that God is passionately in love with you. God adores you. God wants nothing but the best for you. I know people are watching this chat. Give me that passage, people. Mark 435. Thank you, Colleen. And no thank you to all of you watching the stream for not coming through for me. Goodness gracious. Mark 435. Here we go. If you're watching at home, feel free to open your Bibles. Join me here. Okay. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them just as he was in the boat and other boats were with him and a great storm of wind arose and the waves beat into the boat so that the boat was already filling but he was in the stern asleep on a cushion and they woke him and said to him teacher do you not care if we perish and he said and he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea peace be still and the wind ceased and there was a great calm and he said to them why are you afraid have you no faith and they were filled with awe and said to one another who then is this that even wind and sea obey him who is this that even the wind and the sea obey him it's incredible to me like first of all come on jesus why, why are you sleep? Why are you taking a little cat nap? Why are you taking a cat nap in the storm? Don't you see we're freaking out? Jesus was, yes, fully man, but he was fully God. He did not, he was not oblivious to what was happening. He know when he wakes up, this storm is going on. The the disciples are losing their cookies scared for their lives but he allows this to happen and then in response he says why were you afraid don't you know who was in the boat with you essentially why are you afraid don't you know who is in the boat with you i am in the boat with you jesus says i am in the boat with you so why are you afraid And that's a message that I need all the time. All the time. It's not easy running Awakened Catholic. It's not easy uh, doing the production work I do on the side. It's not easy uh, being a music producer and a musician. And Alina and I, who love our music and haven't been able to touch it in so many months, we haven't been able to work on our music because there's a lot going on. It's not easy. When it's really, really hard and the storms are bad and the waves are beating up against the boat of your life, the waves are beating up against the boat of of your finances, of your relationships, it is not easy in those moments to remember, even for the disciples in this story, it is not easy to remember that Jesus is in the boat with you. God never leaves you. And this is so crucial. This is so important. Pete says, thanks. I needed to hear that. Thank you, Pete. Glory to God. There's no situation. There's no situation that God abandons you. He is always with you. He always provides for you. And he will never leave you. I can promise you that. 
never forget whatever the boat is for you. Again, whether it's finances, relationships, job, uh, workplace dynamics, um, whatever it is, addictions, whatever your boat is, God is in the boat with you. And Jesus says to you, why are you afraid? So what does this have to do with the Eucharist? In the Eucharist, we have Jesus himself, literally. And he, like in the story of the storm at the sea, uh, he waits for his apostles to stir him, to wake him up, and to cry out for his help. And Jesus wants us to do the same thing. It's, it's we, we have a fundamental and intrinsic lack of humility as a society, as people in this society. We have a lack of humility. And it takes humility to turn to Jesus Christ and say, I need you. And that is all he's waiting for. You're in your storm. But how often are we like, I have to figure this out. I got to resolve this thing. I got to resolve that thing. This is all on me. You're carrying this burden all on your own. And you were never meant to. All he's waiting for is for you to cry out to him that there's a storm and we're afraid for our lives. And he will turn to you and say, why are you afraid? And he will calm the storm and he will provide for you. He will, he will love you. The Eucharist is a beautiful opportunity for us to turn to God to reach out to him physically, tangibly, to reach out to him, become vulnerable, become humble. The Eucharist is the presence of Jesus Christ physically on earth in every Catholic church across the entire world. We are not turning to Jesus out of a lack of humility. Maybe you're watching this and you're someone that goes to Mass not only every Sunday, but every day. But when's the last time you went to confession? When's the last time you humbled yourself? Are you going to Mass out of a sense of obligation? Or are you going to Mass to humble yourself and to reach out to Jesus Christ and say to him, I need you? Maybe you're someone that hasn't been to Mass in a while. Maybe you're someone that isn't even going to Sunday Mass every Sunday. This is an opportunity to turn that around. The The Catholic Church doesn't have arbitrary rules like that it's a mortal sin to not go to Mass on Sunday just because it enjoys being, you know, restrictive and giving you more rules and stuff. Catholic Church doesn't enjoy rules. That's not the point. It's a keen awareness that for our own good, we need to, on a consistent basis humble ourselves. We need to, on a consistent basis, reach out to God, reach out to Jesus Christ and say, I need you. That is why you should be going to Mass at a minimum every Sunday. That is why you need to humble yourself. That is why the church loves you. The church wants nothing but the best for you. So just go to freaking mass. Just just freaking go to mass. Like don't overthink it. Don't don't put other things above and beyond it. Don't prioritize other things whether it's a sporting event for your family or a vacation. There's almost nowhere in the world you can go where there is not a Catholic mass nearby. Go to mass. Receive the Eucharist. Reach out for the Eucharist. Humble yourself and say, "Jesus Christ, I need you." He is in the boat with you. He's in the boat with all of us. And he will never let you down. You just have to trust that he knows what he's doing and that he knows what's best for all of us way more so than we do. That is what I have for you today. 
different vibe today for today's show than normal. I didn't know what the Holy Spirit was going to do precisely. I knew what we were going to talk about, but here we are. There's your episode of the Awakened Catholic Show. Pete says, just went to confession and mass two days ago. Boom. Love it, Pete. Keep that up, baby. Um, so wish me luck. Pray for me. I'm going to, after this live stream, I'm going to head to the hospital and uh, hopefully get some x-rays of my wrist and hand and finger. And uh, specifically, if I could be so bold, the prayer I need is for them to not need to like reset the bones or anything crazy like that. And that it'll just heal naturally and happily and that I'll be able to live happily ever after with my finger. That is that is my goal. Please pray for that specific intention. Um, don't forget to check out theawakencatholicshow.com to uh, definitely, you definitely want to watch the patron video there. You won't regret it. Even if you don't join the community, enjoy the video. Consider becoming a member of the community. Lots of cool access uh, and rewards there that you only get by joining the community of saints at theawakencatholicshow.com. And then finally, thank you to Select International Tours for sponsoring today's episode. Uh, you guys are awesome. Really appreciate you. Love you as people and an organization. Is that weird? Is that weird? I'm okay with being weird. Oh, and Pete says, happy anniversary to you and your wife. Yeah, I forgot to mention. I just celebrated our... we I, I Alina watched from afar and I celebrated our anniversary. No, uh, we just got done celebrating our nine-year anniversary. So weird. I don't know what that's... Uh, why, how have I been married for nine years? And we dated for seven years before that. Um, basically, I'm old now, and that's weird. Uh, anyways, thank you, Pete, for uh, the happy anniversary there. Um, and uh, yeah, guys... I love you. Thanks for watching the stream. Whether you're here in real time or going to watch afterwards, um, please know that I'm praying for you. Please pray for me and my hand and finger. Uh, and next week, we're going to be, I'm going to be live streaming a lot, assuming that everything goes well with uh, the Wi Fi at the convention center. I'm going to the Momentum 21 conference along with Kevin Jory, who's on our team here. And uh, it's put on by the Catholic Marketing Network. And uh, we are being, we, we are there at the conference uh, as a sponsorship from Select International Tours. We're going to have a really cool booth. We're going to be podcasting from our booth, and if the Wi-Fi is good enough, we're going to be doing all of those podcasts that we do there, those interviews, in the form of live streams. So, uh, Colleen is going to be busy on the on the back end of that, publishing stuff for us. Uh, it's going to be a heck of a time. Super excited, and um, that is that. Please stay tuned for those live streams next week, and this has been The Awakened Catholic Show. I have been Nick Delatore, and before you go, I just need you to know that Jesus loves you. <laughs>